Um, a, a few weeks ago, um, I had a, a sort of an important thing come up. It was like a, an interview for a job. And um, I thought, I need to kind of get my head together and clarify my thoughts on, before going into this interview. Um, and I had an afternoon free, so I thought, I'm going to take this time. I'm going to go and sort of pray and think through um, what I'm doing. So I decided I'd go to Picton Library in Liverpool. Anyone been to Picton Library? Tracy, yeah? Picton Library. What I love, if you haven't been to Picton Library, it's this kind of like, it's a circular oval library, books all around the edge. And it's like, just you walk in and you're like, oh, you know, that feeling of like, oh, this is beautiful. Um, and I thought, I'll go there. I haven't been there for a few years. I'll go in there. I'll just sit quietly and just kind of like get my thoughts together. It was going to be a great afternoon, I'll tell you. So I got on my motorbike, went off to Liverpool, and as I got to Picton Library, I parked in front, and um, as I'm parking there, a guy comes out, and he's like, uh, you can't park there. I'm like, why not? And he's like, uh, it's not a motorbike space. Okay. I said, where can I park? And he's like, um, right on the other side of Liverpool. Like, well, that's no good, is it? <laughs> like... Anyway, I had this sort of altercation with the guy, and this other motorbike guy comes along and sort of lays in. He's like, there's no parking spaces in Liverpool. Anyway, I'm not getting anywhere, so I think, right, I'll just go and park my bike in the one space available in Liverpool. So I go over to the other side of Liverpool, park my bike, and like traipse over back to Picton Library. Get to the library, and the same guy's at the door, and as I get to the door, he's like, you can't come in. <laughs> like, you like me, don't you, you know? It's like... You've got to wear a mask. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. No problem. And I'm like, oh, man, I haven't, I haven't got a mask. Like, I've completely forgotten my mask. I said, have you got a spare mask? Or like, just sell them here. He's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, great, you know, long live Liverpool County Council. <laughs> like, so then I'm like, okay. And just down the, uh, you know, just a few doors down is the museum. So I think I'll go down to the museum and I'll ask them if they've got a spare mask or maybe in the shop they sell them. So I went down to the museum and said, have you got a spare mask? And they were like, you don't need one, you just come in like that. I'm like, no, I actually don't want to go in. I just want one of your masks to go next door. Anyway, go into the shop and they don't have any masks. I'm thinking, this prayer day is just falling apart bit by bit. I went up to the Walker Art Gallery on the other side, and it's exactly the same story. There's nobody got a mask in here. Anyway, in the end, I go there, and I'm just thinking, I'm not going to get into this place uh, at all. And I'm kind of sort of starting to have a go at God, you know. It's like, your fault. It's not my fault <laughs> for getting my mask. And at that point, the, the, the Almighty in his grace and mercy opens the heavens and it starts shooking down with rain <laughs> like that. Bearing in mind, I'm on a motorbike and I've got to drive back to Chester, so being wet on a motorbike is no fun. And I'm there and it's like chucking down with rain. And I'm like, I'm actually swearing. Okay, I won't do that because we're on camera. Okay. Um, that's never stopped me before, has it? <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, it's pouring down with rain. I'm like flipping heck. And then I think, oh, you know what? The Salvation Army have got like um, a cafe. And in that cafe, if my memory serves me correctly, there's this like quiet room and it's got a huge comfy beanbag in it. I'm thinking, oh, go and get a bite to eat and dry off in that room and maybe do a bit of prayer about this interview. It's a bit of a way, so I, what I do is I see these electric scooters and um, I don't have the app and I haven't done it. And so I'm there in the rain 
like get in the app and you know when your screen's wet and you can't like touch up <laughs> stupid thing end up like paying about a fiver get on the scooter I go about like kind of 50 yards and get to the pedestrianized area in Liverpool and you can't use an electric scooter in the pedestrianized area so I'm walking through Liverpool paying for this damn scooter which I can't even ride on <laughs> get to the Salvation Army and guess what it's closed <laughs> Man, what are they doing? So, and I'm just thinking, this is just not, not happening, is it at all? What's going wrong? So I kind of like push the scooter to, you know, I'm trying to find like where can you dump the stupid scooter? <laughs> Get rid of it. And in the end, I think, right, I'm just like hungry and wet. I want to go somewhere warm. And like, and there's a cafe called Egg in Liverpool. So I go to this cafe, walk up the stairs, order the food, sit down, like, sopping wet, and I'm just there, like, kind of whinging to myself. And um, as I'm sat there, like, this lady comes over, and she starts, like, arranging food on um, a table next to me. Um, <coughs> and she says, she's, is anyone Polish? I won't, I don't want to, sorry, like, it's my Polish accent, but she says in a Polish accent, like, um, hello, <laughs> hello, I am interrupting you, and I'm like, no, it's fine, darling, it's no problem, and she says, I am ex-photographer, and I'm like, oh, you're an ex-photographer, right, I, I'm an ex-vicar, <laughs> can't even organize a prayer day, <laughs> anyway, I'll come back to that, um, the, the passage we're reading today comes out of uh, John's Gospel. Okay, John, if you don't know, he's like one of Jesus' closest friends. Okay, you read through the accounts and you see that this guy, John, you know, he's referred to as the beloved disciple. Like, this guy's close to Jesus. And John, John's Gospel in this Bible is, it, it comes from around 90 AD. Okay, it's one of the latest gospels to be written. John would have been an old man and there are references, quite uh, credible references in history to where he died uh, in modern day Turkey. And as an old man he would have told the stories of what happened with Jesus to his friends and they're probably the people who wrote down what we have as John's gospel. And it's quite an intimate account um, of Jesus' life. And, and in a sense, what's going on um, at this time, the Jewish people have been living under occupation um, and oppression for basically for several centuries. Various different governments have come in, taken over, and they've, they've been living, if you like, in this period of kind of wanting to be set free. And they're waiting for a character who will come along and free them from this, like, literal oppression, reconnect them into God, into the way that they're supposed to be. And they have a name for this mystical character who's coming along, and they call this character the Messiah, okay? Or in Greek, Christ, okay? So like Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his second name like David Irwin. <laughs> it's like the Messiah, the one who's sent to reconnect us with God. And there are plenty of indications in the Jewish Hebrew writings of what the Messiah will do. Loads and loads of them. But one of them, um, and one of the key references for Jewish people is uh, Daniel. Daniel is an Old Testament prophet. And Daniel writes um, 
in these terms. It's the words of the King Nebuchadnezzar. He says, It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. So they're waiting for a Messiah to come along who's going to do signs and wonders which will wow the people. And Jesus has been doing signs and wonders which are wowing the people. We heard last sermon about him turning water into wine. Mark's gospel, and we see this character coming along, and people are asking the question, is this the Messiah? Is this the one sent? And so this day here, we've got Jesus. He's back in town. This is the place he turned the water into wine. And on the edge of the tip of everyone's tongue is, is this the guy? Is this the one? And the crowd are waiting for him to do something spectacular. And up rocks a royal official, the text says. Now, a royal official would have been a Jewish person, most probably. And says, Jesus, come home to my place. My son is in dire need of help. And Jesus' response in the text is not that pretty in my eyes. He basically says, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. Okay? Which doesn't actually sound that kind of compassionate. John, who knows Jesus intimately, is trying to tell us of what was happening in this phrase. And what he's actually saying, because if you think about it, they've seen signs and wonders. He's actually saying, and, and the Greek is, is not you individually, but it's you as a group of people. So it's like Malcolm coming along and saying, Clint, can you help me with this problem? Jesus doesn't speak to the guy. He speaks to the rest of the crowd and says, you people, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. And actually, what he's saying is, you've seen signs and wonders. Why don't you believe? And what happens is the guy then begs him and says, come home, he's going to die. And Jesus says, go home. This text says go, but it actually says go home, okay? Your son will live. But the reality is, is the guy goes home. The text doesn't tell us that the crowd go home with him. In fact, the crowd doesn't see anything. The crowd goes and disperses, and the sign seekers go home disappointed. He does what he does discreetly, not publicly. The only reason we have record of it is because we've got this account which came afterwards. But at the time, the people who wanted the sign didn't get it. Often we come to God and we're after him to do something but we don't want him to do it on his terms. We want him to do it on our terms. Is the first reflection I have looking at this passage. This bag's quite heavy, right, I'll tell you. Um, signs are funny things, aren't they? I don't know about you, like, but like, I love to see a sign. You know, like I go out and when I see a red robin, I'm reminded of the great price that, God paid for my life. Okay. And I love seeing a red robin. It always reminds me of, of, of God's love for me. 
And so, like, I love little signs, mate. And I don't know about you lot, but like, you know, you see something like, oh, wow, that's a real indication. Signs can be a buzz, can't they? Quite stimulating, quite um, exciting in a sense. Um, but there's something maybe seductive about signs um, which isn't helpful. So, like, I remember going to Peterborough to visit a mate, Chris. And um, as I came to see Chris, um, this lady joined us. I'd, ne- I'd never met her before. Chris went into the cafe to get some coffees. And the lady said to me, oh, I said, how do you know Chris? And she said, well, last time I saw him, I had this problem with my knee, and Chris prayed, and, and my knee is completely better. I've had that problem for years. And I'm like, man, that's wonderful. Like, that's like so special. And she's like, yeah, it's amazing. And Chris comes back, and she says, um, Chris, oh, can you do that thing again? My wrist's hurting. <laughs> And Chris is a nice guy, like, you know. And Chris says, actually, you've got to understand, this, this isn't about me doing a trick or a turn. This is about a God who's on your case. You know, pick it up. It's not about me doing tricks. And in a sense, like, you know, she's more interested in the miracle than the man. And that can be potentially a problem with signs. I mean, don't get me wrong, signs are helpful, aren't they? If you're lost... And you see a sign, it's like, oh great, it's actually that way. They can be encouraging, can't they? Um, help you back and find your way when, you, when, you, when you've lost your way. I don't think that God's plan A is to leave bits of bread in the path through the forest, in the hope that you and I will eventually find our way home. I don't think that was God's plan, eh? I don't think he came to pepper the pathway with sign after sign after sign, however helpful they are. The reason is, is that a sign will never wait for you. A sign will never take you by the hand and walk you there. A sign will never pick you up when you've had enough. A sign will never dry your tears when you just can't go on. You see, God's real plan is not sign after sign after sign. It's relationship. God's real plan is relationship. You see, like, I study and teach this Bible book, right, believe it or not. <laughs> and a lot of people in the church do, and, and, and we talk about it a lot. And I hear a lot, and I talk a lot, in general, about guidance, God's guidance, how does God guide. But in honesty, there's a lot more in the interaction of humanity and God about seeking God than seeking God's guidance. What I mean by that is that God's guidance truly comes as a relationship develops with him. Signs are great, but what he's after is he's after, come, come with me. Jesus' incredible words, follow me, come with me. There's a danger, isn't there, that we, in our lives, we look for the guidance of God, but actually we're not after the God who guides. 
We're after the signs and wonders of God, but we're not actually after the God who signs and wonders. This church is currently at a time of working out its vision and values, okay? There's a day next Saturday, and people in the church are going to think about what is the vision of this church. So I speak to myself and those who do such things. This church's vision is to see lives restored through Jesus in a renewed space as we have fun together. Okay? This is a good vision. We need to be careful that we do not focus on the renewal of God in this space, but on the God who renews. Not the fun of God, but the God in whose relationship fun lives. The two can be simultaneously two very, very different things. I think this passage shows us. One can be inward-looking, self-seeking, and consumerist. There are plenty of churches who seek the renewal of their roofs and their buildings, and they seek to do wonderful things, but they get lost in terms of who provided these things. Because those things, simultaneously, are the product of a beautiful and enduring and an ongoing relationship with God. And if we seek this first... Everything else falls into that category. You see, this passage is going somewhere. Jesus is going somewhere, and John, in writing it, is going somewhere. I haven't got my glasses with me, and I can't read my Bible reference, so this is from, this is from memory. But John writes a little bit later on, God will raise the dead to life. God will raise the dead and he will give life. And so the son will also give life to those whom he chooses. This is about God giving life to us. Psalm 34 sings, it's a song, and it says that the Lord draws close to the the crushed in spirit, to the brokenhearted. Psalm 18, I love Psalm 18. He says he reaches out. He reaches out and he holds us. This is what this is about. <clears throat> Some of us here, we are waiting for God to accomplish a plan in our life. We have a plan and we're waiting for God to accomplish it. Whether it's a job, whether it's a family plan, whether it's about where you live, a whole variety of different things. And each week we come back and we check if God is accomplishing our plan in our way. Some of us are waiting for God to show us a sign which will tell us something particular. Waiting for another sign. Some of us are after an intellectual eureka moment. Ah, I get it. I understand it. There's nothing wrong with those things. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not here to kind of... They, they, they fall into each of our own lives. 
Paul of Tarsus, St. Paul, Apostle Paul, whatever you want to call him, the guy who writes the letters in here, Paul writes, he says, the Jews, and he is Jewish, seek signs. And the Greeks seek wisdom, intellectual understanding. But we preach a crucified Messiah. What on earth is that all about? <laughs> what he means is, right, if anyone has a plan, which is a good plan, it's this guy. A crucified Messiah refers to a person who comes and is willing to have their plan crushed underfoot and their terms and conditions laid aside that God might accomplish something bigger. That is what he means when he says we preach a crucified Messiah. You know, you can ask God, can't you? Show me the way, but not be willing to go on that way. You can ask God to accomplish a plan, but not on his terms. I've been carrying this bag around for like all morning. It's a bag of shopping. Some of you are wondering, what's he doing with this? What, you look ridiculous, Glenn. You're a bag of shopping. You're supposed to be preaching a sermon. <laughs> Why don't you put the bag down and get on with it? Some of us ask God to take us by the hand. But are we willing to take his hand if he does offer a hand? And actually, I'm reflecting back to you. Some of you are carrying a bag around. A bag which actually has no purpose in what you're doing. Yeah? It's actually got like my daughter's breakfast in, so she's probably spent the morning thinking, where the heck is that porridge gone? My idiot father's stolen the porridge. It has no place or purpose in this sermon. And it's stopping me do something, this bag. You know, <clears throat> it doesn't belong in my hand. a lot better some of us have a plan we want God to accomplish some of us are waiting for a sign which will say I'll move on what I want to say is if you're carrying a bag around with you then this morning consider will you put your bag down your terms your conditions your requirements will you put it down and open your hand so that you can hold hand of God, who I promise will come to meet you in every single one of your circumstances. But will you take his hand? In a mo, um, I'm just going to let you kind of look at the bag for a minute. And then Tash is going to play like an old gospel tune um, and sing it. You, you're welcome to sing along. Um, you're welcome to just listen to it and inhabit the song or piggyback it. But it's a moment in a sense, if you want to do business this morning with God, then leave your bag, open your hand, and he'll come and take your hand. Go home. Your son will live. 